Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. Take over church. Hey, before we go any further, uh, I didn't put in a praise card for this on purpose or a prayer card on purpose um, because I really wanted to hit this. This is something that God has just kind of made near and dear to my heart. And um, I'm just so incredibly grateful for what Monday represents, um, especially in this COVID year where things were shut down and, you know, feel how you feel. Civil liberties were impeached upon. I'm so grateful for the men and women of the armed services of the United States to make this the home of the brave and land of the free. Yeah. And so I just want to take a minute to honor them and pray for them and just thank them for their service on yes. Memorial Day. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Father God, thank you so much. I thank you for those brave men and women. I thank you for all the freedoms and liberties that have come along with their sacrifice, God. Yeah. God, I just pray over any PTSD and any military uh, armed men and women, God, anything they've been through, God, right now, I just ask that the Holy Spirit would comfort them, that the Holy Spirit would cast that out, that you would meet them right in the middle of, of their literal warfare that they've been through, Father God, and I ask that you would just completely renew them and restore them, God, and that they would live a life on the other side of that that is just so full of Jesus, so full of radical faith, Father Father God, that they wouldn't just be in America's military, but they'd be part of the Lord's army as well, Father God. We just thank you so much for everything they've done. Because your word says give honor for honor is due. And we are grateful to be able to be a part of this country, to be able to gather with these freedoms. In Jesus' mighty and faithful church said. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for going there with me. Well, this morning, how are we all doing? Yo, who loved that worship time? Come on, come on. Yes, Amy and Evan, they are off. They got married last night. They got hitched, and uh, so they'll be back with us next week, but they are gone. So if you think about it, just be praying for them this week as they start their first week of marriage and reach out, send them texts, tell them that you love them and appreciate them. Yeah. And uh, that's, just, that's just so awesome. We really love those guys. Yeah. But this morning, woo! Y'all, who's ready for Sleeping Giants? Sleeping Giants week four. Come on, somebody. And I need right now all over the house of God. If you have got air in your lungs, which I'm sure that you do because we are not busting out any respirators or CPR, can you just give God 10-second praise break right now because he's good? Come on, go. simply because he is God. Amen? Amen. Come on. That is the church that we're going to see and take over. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, this morning, Sleepy Giants, week four, y'all ready for this? Yeah. Yeah. No worries. I'm not a mess like I was last week. The Lord 
help me keep it together today. It's good. But if you're taking notes, the title of my message is, who's taking notes? Where are my note takers at? Come on, somebody. Taking notes, the title of the message is Warfare Prayer. Warfare Prayer. I promise you, it's going to be good. We are going there. And friends, this morning, I just want to encourage you as well. Man, if you are in drought, if you feel like you are in lack, if you feel like you are in need, if you feel like you are going without, whatever it is, monetary, spiritual, I don't know if it's just something in your heart, affection, wherever you're coming from, whatever your experience is right now, man, the winds of favor are in this church's back. There is so much happening behind the scenes. God is just raining down on this church right now. And let me tell you, we are entering a season unlike we've ever seen before. And I don't believe that's just a promise for the staff or for the church or the buildings remaining in the basement right now. I believe that it's a promise for every single one of you in this room. So whatever you need today, the wind of favor is in your back. Come on, somebody. So reach out, take it, ask God for it, and receive it today. Amen? Amen. All right, y'all ready for the Bible? Who loves their B-I-B-L-E? Come on, somebody. I love my Bible. All right, coming out of Mark 9. Mark 9. 9, uh, 17 through 29. Y'all ready? Yes. All right. Can y'all make some noise for Eric Michael in the booth right now? Come on. Yeah. Come on, Eric. Yeah. Can you uh, give some noise up for our resident disc jockey, DJ? Yeah. When the name of DJ it was prophetic, we're going to say to some guys. Great. Um, all right. Fantastic. Verse 17. And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams, and he grinds his teeth, and becomes so rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, it immediately convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground, and he rolled out, foaming at the mouth, and Jesus asked the father, the boy's father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. At verse 22, and it, was the, it, and it has often cast him into fire, into water, seeking to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Church said? Amen. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help me with my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up. He arose, and when he entered the house, his disciples asked him privately. They pulled Jesus aside and said, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Right. All right, you ready to explore that? Yeah. Sure. Okay, so we're going to pray, and then we're going to see what God will do. Amen? Amen. Father God, Father God, right now, right now, Father, we, we're ready to see something today that we've never seen. Father God, we're ready, to, we're ready for you to touch our hearts in a way we've never been touched before, God. Right now, Father, we just ask that you would just send your Holy Spirit in this room right now, God. That you would just impress upon your people today, God, to believe you when you say, for those that believe, nothing shall be impossible, Father God. Clothe us. 
and your power. Clothe us in your ability, God. Wrap us up in your love and send us out these doors today, Father God, because we came here with one purpose, and that was to be more like Jesus. So continue to make us like your son. In Jesus, my name of faith on church set. Amen. 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 My allergies are bugging. So if you hear me going, they're bugging. It is what it is. We're going to get through it today. Pray for me. <sighs> Rebuke these allergies in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, man. It's a warfare prayer. Warfare prayer. Are you all ready for this? Yeah. Legit, last week, this was the title of the message I was going to preach last week, but then the Lord was like, now nah, we're going to go this direction. Now I was like, wow, that's really uncomfortable, but we did it. And uh, then when I went to write another message this week, he was like, cool, same title, different everything. So we're going there. I don't know what's happening. It's good. It's good. But warfare prayer. Man, I've got to tell you, church, we are in a season right now where we are talking about sleeping giants. And I just believe that God is speaking. The first week we looked at the Apostle Paul. He called the church of Corinthians. He said, awake, oh sleeper. Scratch that. It was the church in Ephesus. My bad. Awake, oh sleeper. And how many of you know? How many of you know if our God, if he is beckoning us to wake up, if he is beckoning us, if he is calling out to us, and he is saying, you sleeping giants, you giants, you are a rest right now. You are asleep right now. I need you to wake up, and I need you to be bigger than your enemy if he is calling us sleeping giants. And how many of you know we must be engaged in a pretty-for-real battle? Yeah. We must be engaged in a pretty-for-real war. We must be engaged in something so big, so desperate, so urgent, that we are in need of being both awake for the fight and bigger than our opponent. Mm -hmm. My preaching anybody this morning, I believe God is calling us to come awake in this hour. There are things on the inside of every single one of these believers in this room, myself included, that is untapped, that has not been popped open, that has not begun flowing in our lives. But God is saying, man, 2020, these are dim hours, and I need you awake, and I need you big, and I need you bright, and I need you shining the love and light of Christ all the earth. Amen? Amen. There is something on the inside of you today that God is asking God is telling, wake up. And God is beckoning. He is kicking the side of your bed this morning. And he is saying, wake up, my child. Today, I need you bigger than the enemy. Mm -hmm. I appreciate anybody this morning. Yeah. Warfare and prayer. You see, friends, one of the things I one of the things I feel like as a Yeah, we're going there. Alright. Check it. I love the church. I love the bride of Christ. She is my favorite thing on this earth, okay? I love the bride of Christ. I love the church. But there is one thing that we have just gotten so wrong that, that at some point, because I love being attached to church history, we're never going to throw that out. I'm a traditionalist at heart, okay? Hear me today. I love my Bible. I love the local church. I love the global church. I love what we are a part of. But at some point in our history, Friends, we got away from this truth. We got away from being a house of prayer. We got away from being a house of worship. We became a house of lists, a house of bulletin points, a house to have a better, a house that makes you have a better business or five steps to a better marriage. We got away from this thing called power. We got away from this thing called warfare. We got away from our purpose. We attached ourselves. To 25 minute messages where we talk to the elite class in the church. We leave the poor to fend for themselves. 
And we decided we can give you five steps on how to be integrous in business, which is great. But we've left the church powerless when it comes to pushing back the kingdom of darkness. Yeah. I want to go there today, church. I want to wake up today, church. I want to look inside myself and see what Jesus sees when he hung himself on that cross willfully, knowing that it was better that he go, that the Holy Spirit may come, that he may fill us, that he may dwell within us, that he may empower us, because he knew that we were God's plan to redeem this earth. Amen. Come on, somebody. It's time for the church to get back to being the church, friends. It's not called the great suggestion. It is called the great Commission. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Warfare. Prayer. Friends, we live in a time and a place. We live in a time and a place where we would where we would exist in this moment. That we see Jesus and his disciples in this piece of scripture. If we were to see this happen. And honestly, I think probably some of us have. I think some of us, we've experienced this before. I think we've been in situations with people who have erratic behavior, who have things going on that, that we're not quite certain of, that maybe, yeah, maybe they are foaming at the mouth, maybe they are convulsing, maybe some real things are going down, maybe suicide is a very real uh, thing for them, maybe depression and doubt and all these things are real and overwhelming and just overthrowing their lives and their well-being. Maybe some of us have been in those rooms with those people. But one of the things I think we've fallen asleep to is that there are things going on outside the natural order of what we see with our eyes. Friends, I think one of the things that we've fallen asleep to is that you and I, we are new creations in Christ Jesus, are we not? We are new creation in Christ Jesus. Man sees with their eyes. New creation sees with their spirit. Come on, somebody. A man sees with their eyes, but a new creation sees with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Because for so many of us, if we were in this position, if we were in this place, if this was brought to us, if we were the disciples, if we were Jesus in this moment, I think it's safe to say that in today's culture, we would see that and we would be like mental illness. We would see that and we'd be like depression. We would see that and be like, they have suicidal tendencies. And what we would do is because we grew up and we were raised in a westernized civilization that has an answer for everything except for nothing. And we would rather inoculate and sedate what the Lord would rather eradicate and liberate. Yeah. Friends, I think that we have fallen asleep to the power of the believer, the power of the Holy Spirit. I think we've fallen asleep to the fact that we have grown comfortable with labeling and medicating and all of these things what the Lord would rather liberate and eradicate. Friends, friends, if we begin to live a life where we fail to recognize the war that is going on, around us. Let me put it this way. Friends, if we become casual about war, there will be casualties of war. If we get casual about war, there will be casualties in war. Friends, so many of the things that we experience in the natural 
have more to do with the supernatural than they do with bodies breaking down, than with chemicals and balances, than with all of these things. And friends, listen to me, hear me today. I love medication. I love doctors. I love medicine. I love counseling and therapy and all of those great things. And if anybody in here needs therapy, if anybody in here needs counseling, we can find a place, we can talk to some people, we can line that up. We are for those things. But friends, I think one of the things that you and I, the church today in 2021, I think that we have fallen asleep to what's really going on more often than not. And I kind of feel like, friends, we might have begun to live and exist in a place where we have tried to domesticate our demons. I think we've tried to domesticate our demons. I think we have tried to domesticate hell. I think we've tried to domesticate the darkness. I think we have attempted, we've made great attempts to domesticate demons, okay? I think for all of us today, I think we can look at certain things and we just make an allowance. We feel like hell can assimilate into our lives. We feel like darkness can assimilate into our lives, that we can just domesticate, that we can house train, that we can potty train, that we can house break a dog called hell, but we cannot. Hell cannot assimilate into our lives. Hell aims to ravage our lives. Darkness cannot be domesticated to coincide with the light. But friends, this is how we treat so many things. We will experience what is clearly fallen, what is clearly in need of redemption, what is clearly in need of being revived and restored to God's order in the earth. That is why you and I are here. We will experience these things. And instead of being like Jesus and believing that we can, so we do. We house train and we domesticate and we just decide that we're going to put up with. That we're just going to live with. That this is just going to be our lot in life. That this is just going to be our struggle. That this is just going to be our thorn in the flesh. That we're just not going to move beyond this. It's just what we're going to be. It's who we are. It's a part of us. It was passed down from generation to generation in my family. My mother dealt with depression and her mother felt depression and her father dealt with depression and so on and so forth. And we have decided that sickness, demonic, whatever you want to call it, is just allowed to assimilate into our lives. can't teach demons to obey. You can't teach darkness to obey. What we do with demons and with darkness is we call them out what they are and then we see them on their way out. Friends, I don't know if it's just that we grew up in a Western society where we don't believe these things anymore. Maybe you grew up in a church where you just didn't hear about these things. Maybe this wasn't taught. Maybe you didn't read this yet in Scripture. Maybe you haven't seen this. 
But there is a war going on that you and I are firmly placed in on purpose that we are here to be God's plan for victory. Yeah. You see, friends, one of the things that we have to begin to understand is that you're not just here to have a great thriving business or have a great thriving marriage or have a great thriving family. All those things are awesome. And all those things God is in. But what he has truly purposed you and I for is that in all of those spheres where you're believing for success, you're believing to thrive, you're believing for greatness, in all those spheres, work, family, prosperity, all of those things, you are also to be engaged in a war. I know you probably didn't think this is where we were going this morning. But it's my hope and my prayer today that we would come alive and we would come awake and we would wake up to the great power of warfare prayer. You see, in this moment, we see this father. We see this father bring his son to Jesus. He brings his son to Jesus and first thing Jesus asks him is, how long? How long has he been like this? How long has he been depressed? How long has he been trying to kill himself? This boy has tried to set himself on fire and throw himself into the water with an attempt to drown. He is foaming at the mouth. He is biting. He is lunging. He is convulsing. He is doing all of these things. And one of these would get you on mad prescription drugs, okay, in America today. But this boy is riddled and plagued with all of them. We see Jesus just ask these questions. How long has he been like this? I sit here and I think of his father. This boy's father. Because he says, since he was a child. Now there's two places that you and I will probably fall. As Jesus followers, if you're not currently a Jesus follower in the room and you're, you're waiting for me to convince you, then you're probably not in on this thought, okay? But every single one of us who is a Jesus follower, we probably fall on two sides of this. We probably see this moment and we're like, wow, uh, yeah. Person's crazy, person needs to be in an institution, person needs to be institutionalized. Uh, that father should not have to deal with this. That is not his lot in life. Like, we should just put him away somewhere and visit him once a month, and he needs to be medicated. And, like, that's where some of us would fall from because we did not grow up. We did not have a church. We did not have a pastor. We did not have a leader who said to us, This is more than a chemical imbalance. This is oppression. Possession right. and demonic. Right. And then there's others of us who maybe we understand warfare. Maybe we understand that there is more that meets the eye here. Maybe we understand there's more than what's going on behind the scenes. We the more that we can see with our own eyes. Friends, how many of you know your eyes will lie? Yep. Your eyes 
will lie. Again, you are a new creation in Christ. You were not made to see and perceive only with your eyes, but you were made and renewed and rescued, and you were bought with a price so that you would see and be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And so some of us were on the other side of this, and we understand warfare. We grew up in being like a Buckwild Pentecostal church, and they tried to bust out some snakes on Tuesday. Calm down with your bad self, okay? <laughs> but maybe you grew up on the other side of this. Maybe you're like this father, and you just believe. You believe that, man, they're a disciple of Jesus. They've been with Jesus. They can do this. Oh, man, if maybe they can't do this, then they can lead me to Jesus. And we find him in this moment. He comes to know Jesus. He sees Jesus. He brings his son. He brings his problem. He brings the issues before Jesus. Something amazing happens in this moment. Before we see warfare, prayer. Receive gifts given. Because at this moment, the Father, he goes, I believe. I believe. He comes before Jesus and he says, I believe. I believe so much. I went to your disciples first. I believe so much that I brought my boy all the way here. I believe so much that I have just put up with this for all of these years since he was a child. Lord, I believe. But like many of us, maybe even in this room today, been in a really long war season. Maybe you've been in a really long fight. Maybe you are right now at round 12 of a 15 round boxing match and you're feeling beat up and you're feeling like you're not going to get the victory. You're feeling like you're not doing enough to put up scores on the scoreboard that right now you feel like you have no way of winning the fight. You believed, you did believe at one point that you could. But maybe because the amount of time spent in warfare, maybe the amount of time of taking punches to the face, maybe because the amount of bloodshed you've seen, maybe you've been indoctrinated with doubt, where belief used to rule supreme, it's now running closer to E. I think we should put Sleeping Giant aside for just one second. Is there anybody in here? You can keep your eyes on me. Is there anybody in here this morning right now that just would be bold enough to say that right now you're struggling with unbelief? Even if it's just one deputy? There's some hands. There's hands up over the place. Yeah, jump on in. Okay, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Let's see, put your hand up. Keep it up. <coughs> Father God, right now, just like you did scripture. We believe you, Jesus, but we need desperately help with our unbelief. Right now, Father God, it's as simple as this. This man, he did not need to pray some long sonnet of prayer. He didn't have to make poetry out of it, God. He just came to you fragile, broken, put up with a long season. And right now, we are asking God, even if maybe we're 95% full and we got 5% doubt, or maybe we are all the way down, running on Eve, contemplating giving up on you, wherever we fall right now, Father God, we ask, we confess first and foremost, we believe and right now we're asking to receive. So with every hand that is up in this place, God, we are laying hold of your faith. We're asking for a greater measure of faith. God, fill us up. Overflow. We want to be fully persuaded, fully convinced. Right now, God, we want to be so saturated. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
with belief in this moment, yes, Father, Father God. God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. If that's you right now, just receive that. Just receive that extra measure of belief. Come on. Some of us, we have gotten so inoculated and not saturated. We have numbed ourselves. We have, we have oppressed ourselves. We have gone into these things that we think can, can get us across the finish line, that can just keep us numb until we get that next word of knowledge, we get that next word for our life, the next moment of direction, the next moment of, of clarity. And God is saying, just like Jesus did to this man, nothing is impossible for those who believe. Yeah. Friends, I am so radically convinced this morning. I am so fully persuaded this morning that if we would just open up our hands and we would lay claim to that belief, man, you'd be amazed at what God is able to do. You would be amazed to see the impossible turn around. You would be amazed to see the impossible turn possible. Amen. Come on, somebody. Yeah. This is what belief is able to do. Friends, if I could be so bold to lay this upon you this morning. You see, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So please, don't take as if I'm condemning you by what I'm saying next. You are redeemed. You have been given over to Jesus. You have bowed to you and made him Lord and Savior of life. There is no condemnation in this house. But doubt and unbelief are symptoms of a life that is led by their eyes. Doubt and unbelief are symptoms of a life that is led by your eyes rather than the Holy Spirit. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You will experience unbelief. You will experience doubt. You will experience drought. You will experience lacking and wanting and confusion and despair. These are all symptoms of a life that has now been led by our eyes rather than our Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You were made. You were designed. You were purposed to be clothed with God's Spirit. And that is how you live. We don't walk by faith, right? We walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. Yeah. Our eyes will lie to you. Yeah. And why that's important is because you see what happens next in this piece of scripture is insane. Man, how many of you know God is able to deliver and even he is able to give you some faith? Yeah, that's true. Come on. Next in this moment is absolutely, absolutely insane. So this boy, he's convulsing, he is flipping out, and things are just going all sorts of wrong here. All sorts of wrong. And that boy notices Jesus. And immediately, he responds to who Jesus is, to what is on Jesus, to what Jesus is is overflowing in. It is the Spirit of God that is on him. Friends, today, can I put this to you? The Spirit of God is in you, for you, but the Spirit of God rests on you for everybody else. Yeah. The Spirit of God is in you for your sake, but the Spirit of God rests on you for everybody else's sake. Because here it is, friends. We mentioned this briefly last week. You and I, we are created, we are created in the image of God. Paul calls us his calls us his workmanship, his craftsmanship, his perfect masterpiece. 
Jesus is our restorer and our model back to that workmanship. Yeah. Back to that craftsmanship. Back to that masterpiece. Friends, you and I, we are the Omaga day in the earth. Say with me, Omaga. Omaga day. Omaga day. That is you and that is me. Jesus restores us. He saves us. He's ransomed us so that we can be restored to being the Omaga day, God's image in the earth, and that he models for us. He is exhibit 1A, and there is no B through Z here. He's the only one. He is our model, how we should pray, how we should believe, how we should act, how we should speak, how we should move, what we shouldn't do, where we should go, where we shouldn't go. He is the perfect model for the Omaga day. Yeah. He is what you and I can be. He is what a man and woman fully saturated and surrendered to God and God alone can and will be like in the earth. Yeah. That's who he is. And so we see this demon just respond to the Omaga day that is Jesus. Friends, right now, you and I, we have got people in our lives. We've got a world outside these four walls. We have got heaven above us that is just waiting for some Christians to decide that we're going to be the Omaka day. That we're going to be the image of God. That when the image of God shows up, the picture gets a lot clearer for someone's victory. When the Omaga day shows up, there's always redemption in the wind. When the Omaga day shows up, there is power in the prayer. When the Omaga day shows up, God is able to exceedingly above all we can ask, dream, or imagine. When the Omaga day shows up, suddenly the expectation of what is able to happen will turn around. All of a sudden, when the Omaga day shows up, there is a redemptive nature that comes along, along with you. See, Jesus, he never rolled up or showed up anywhere that he didn't plan on redeeming. Yeah. How many people and places and situations and problems and circumstances do you and I encounter on a daily basis but we walk away without redeeming it? Wow. Myself included. I'm the Omaka day. I'm the image of God. You see, friends, God doesn't need us to be the Omaka day just on Sunday. <coughs> God doesn't need us to be the Imago Day, actually even in this room, because his word says when two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. So in fact, he is the image of God in this room. You and I get to take a break and receive. Where he needs us to be in the Imago Day, the image of God in the earth, is outside these four walls. Yeah. Am I preaching to anybody else this morning? Because I'm preaching to myself right now. This is some radical stuff, but it is most necessary. Somebody say it's super necessary. Super it's super necessary, you see. Because what ends up happening is, is this amazing moment where the Omaga Day is active, where the Omaga Day does what the Omaga Day does. And he redeems and he turns around and he restores and he reverses the curse on this young boy. But do you know what stands out to me? You know what stands out to me? Um, how Jesus prayed. You see, because Jesus, he always comes to that warfare prayer. Do you see what warfare prayer does? Warfare prayer is when you are, if you see, here's the deal. If you can get this, 
Okay? If you can understand that you are the image of God, the image of God can understand they are the image of God, and the image of God can begin praying like the image of God, can be praying in the spirit of the living God. If you and I can get this today, we will understand that if we looked at a war taking place, what the Omaga Day is able to do while everybody else is playing chess on the ground, we are playing checkers and we are hopping over everybody else and we are dropping bombs on the enemy. That's what a warfare prayer is. Friends, so many of us, we do not do what Jesus has done. We are too busy fighting a fight on the ground when the Holy Spirit is calling us higher. Our Bible already tells us any weapon fashioned against you shall not prosper. Why are we always responding to the weapon formed against us instead of the one who's the weapon maker? Why are we always praying against the tanks? Why are we always praying against the guns? Why are we always praying against the symptoms? Why are we always praying against the things that we can see? Why are we always praying against the fruit that we can see? Why are we always praying against the waves when we should be shouting back the wind that's making them? Why are we always praying against the weapon when we have already been told it will not prosper against us? See, there is an enemy and he is the weapon maker. And he has specifically designed and fashioned a weapon against you. That's why the Bible uses that language. No weapon fashioned towards you shall prosper. He knows you. He studies you. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking to devour. And he studies and he knows. And so that's why specific things are going to go absolutely awry in your life. And you are going to feel like everything is going wrong at the simultaneous time. It's not happenstance. It's not chance. That's called spiritual warfare. Why? Why? Because there's a war going on here. And so while we are going about our days casually, we're making way for casualties to happen more. Friends, today I want to elevate us. Today, I want us to get that lion roar back. Today, I want us to laugh in the face of danger. Today, I want us to muster up that warfare prayer that decides that we're going to look death in the face and speak to death, not just a cold corpse. That we're not going to just speak to the waves. We're going to speak to the wind that causes the waves. That we're not going to speak and rebuke the fruit. We're going to rebuke the root. That we're not going to speak to the breaking arm. We're going to speak to the arm. That we're not just going to speak to the casualties of war, we're going to speak to the cause of war. That we're not just going to speak to the condition of the person, we're going to speak to the demonic oppression. Come on, somebody. This is who and what we are. So often, we're just like, Jesus, Jesus, if you could just, just thank you so much for Brenda. Brenda, you're fantastic. God, I ask that right now, you just relieve Brenda of pain so that her healing process can be uh, just easier. God, I just ask that you would relieve her of prayer, that you would leave her pain so that, like, her leg would, like, just feel better over these next few weeks while the bone is missing. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you were the person with a broken leg, you'd probably really love that prayer. You would probably really love, like, wow, that was great. Like, that was such a nice Christian. She was so good. Like, what a sweetheart. Oh, man, that was awesome. Like, I, I feel my spirit was just lifted. It's great. 
Not bad. Not a bad place to start. The only problem with it is I've never seen Jesus do that. I've never seen Jesus do that. Friends, we don't pray kind, nice, fluffy prayers so that somebody walks away feeling good. We pray bold, brash, audacious, filled with faith kind of prayers so that somebody can walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Yeah, oh, this is great. I would just love it, Jesus, if you would just numb them to the pain and the realities of the situation and they would just feel the rest of the couch for the next week and they would get better. No, I've never seen Jesus speak to a symptom in this moment. What do we not see Jesus do? I don't see him rebuke the foaming of the mouth. I don't see him rebuke the clenching of the teeth. I don't see him rebuke the lunging. I don't see him rebuking the convulsing. I don't see him going, Father God, he clearly is bipolar. And uh, I asked that we would just find uh, an amazing medicine for him. And he would just begin to get his control of his mind. Um, that you would just hand his mind over to him. Um, and that he would just be able to be a little bit less of a handful for his dad. In your name. You and me, we got this. Now that might be offensive to some of us because we prayed crazy prayers for him. Sometimes we didn't see it come about. What do we do with that, Matt? What do we do with that, Pastor? I said this a few weeks ago to our team, but I can't believe it's the great hockey player Wayne Gretzky that once said, you miss a thousand, uh, you miss a hundred shots you don't take. But how many go in? How many prayers are answered? How many times does it actually work? How many times does that leg actually fall under the pressure of the name of Jesus and get restored to where it should be? Friends, you miss 100% of the prayers you don't pray. You do not receive 100% of the prayers you don't pray. Friends, radical, audacious things can still happen in this hour and in this day. We have just got to get what we have been indoctrinated without, and we have got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the model for what a person fully, full, completely running over. That's the definition of full. Did you know that? Full, the definition is actually not spilled to the brim, because it's still lived there. Full means run over. Friends, you and I, we are called to run us over with the Holy Spirit. So much so that he spills out of us when we're praying over legs. When we're praying over these things to be relieved. When we're believing for these things. Friends, we cannot remain in this hour right now just praying against the sickness. We need to be praying behind the cause of the sickness. Let's not pray over the pain in the leg. Let's call the leg back into order. Let's begin praying what heaven declares. And what heaven declares right now is that you be redeemed in the mighty name of Jesus. Redemption means better than ever was. Yeah. Better than ever was. Man, that shin, that shin bone that was broken doesn't appear that it was ever broken. It doesn't appear that you've ever played a sport. It doesn't appear that you've ever even ran it into a coffee table in the middle of the night trying to go to the bathroom. That shin is immaculate. That shin is perfect. I, I don't understand. You had some random person in the basement on 1530 Madison and prayed, prayed over my leg and they healed. See, in this moment, friends, 
what we see Jesus do is absolutely incredible. We see Jesus give us the battle plan. You see, John 10, 10 says, I have come to give you life and life to full, as Jesus speaking, but the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So maybe, maybe for you, you're comfortable calling it a chemical imbalance and, and all these things going on again for medicine. I understand that stuff. Okay? Maybe you're on the other side of it today where you're like, oh, that's, that's warfare. It needs to be cast out. Wherever you fall on that line, we can look at this situation and we can see if it's sickness or it's demonic, it's certainly not life and it's not life to the full. We can tell that somebody's trying to steal something from this boy. We can tell that this is a theft that's going on. There is a lie that's being told, and it will most certainly lead to the way of death. Amen? We can see that. And so no matter what we call it, no matter how we position it, no matter what makes us feel a little bit more comfortable about it, we are so called to speak to it the mighty name of Jesus. Because again, Jesus didn't speak to any of the symptoms. You know what Jesus said? Same thing you and I need to say when we start praying for people. It doesn't need to be long. It doesn't need to be boisterous. It doesn't need to be crazy. It just needs to be bold and full of faith. Jesus looks at that sucker and he goes, you mutant, death spirit. He calls it what it is. You mutant, death spirit. God, that's so empowering. What do you mean? I don't have a Rubik's Cube that I just need to do in my spiritual closet right now to try and unlock the powers of God and just have heaven rain down on earth? All I got to do is look at it and say, you broken bone? You torn flesh? You spirit of suicide? You spirit of conniving? You spirit of lies and deceit, you delinquent spirit, get out of him and never return. Get out of her. You don't get to have her. All I have to do is quit looking at it with my natural eyes and I need to begin seeing it with my Holy Spirit. There is something at play here. Friends, there's something I noticed in this verse. Because that's incredible, right? That's incredible. Jesus says that, cast it out. Everybody's like, yo, he's dead. Jesus is like, nah, he's waking up, sleeping giant. But one of the things that I noticed is absolutely incredible in this moment. It's just like Jesus, isn't it? One of the things I noticed is right in the beginning of this verse, Right in the beginning of this verse, we see Jesus and the disciples. And we find out that the disciples couldn't cast out the demon. And for a lot of Christians, we live with that doubt that that verse placed in us, but we miss the point of that verse. We see it, we go, well, see, Peter couldn't even do it, so how am I going to do it? And we begin to make excuses for not seeing, hosting, miracles, and presence of God when we're missing it. You see, the disciples couldn't. And Jesus goes, you faithless generation. Oh, that's harsh, Jesus. 
You faithless generation, how long must I bear with you? Wow, that sounds for real, does it not? But that's called a rebuke, and as we talked about many times, rebuke means he just turned the disciples around because they came in defeated. He goes, how long must I bear with you? How long must I put up with you? How long, in other words, right here, if Jesus is the head of the church, if he is the head of his bride, Jesus is looking at his disciples as the Omega Dei, as the image, the perfect image of God in the earth right now. He is looking at them, and he is saying, how long? Until the body starts believing like the head. How long until the body starts speaking like the head? How long until the body starts looking at situations like the head does? How long until the body starts believing the way the head does? How long? Right here, friends, warfare prayer. How long until the body starts praying like the head does. How long must I be with you? Jesus is making it very clear right here. I'm my, God's plan isn't that I be here forever. I've got a seat right next to him in heavenly places that I've actually got to get back to. I'm here to train up and equip. I'm here to come and die. I'm here to ransom you and rescue you so that you can be the church, so that you can be the bride of Christ, so that you can be my body in the earth. You can be my image. That when you enter rooms, order comes. When you enter rooms, light comes. When you enter rooms, it should light up and love should fill the atmosphere and more should be happening in that room than people can tell. You are the Omega Day. People should be lining up. People should be coming around you. You should be the first person to call contact with all of life is going to hell in a handbasket with those around you, but they know. They know that you know Jesus. Jesus is just like, how long? How long until you start praying the prayers that I'm praying? How long until you start speaking to this? And friends, the crazy part is this portion of scripture, they've already been sent out into the world. They've gone out in twos and fours and they've done the thing. He's already empowered them. You've been able to go and cast out demons. You've been able to go and heal. What's the difference here? How long? Until the body starts believing that they're a part of the body of Christ. How long until the body starts believing the word of God? How long until you take me at my word when I say it's better that I go because greater works will you do when I send the advocate, the friend, the Holy Spirit? How long? And then we see Jesus obviously fill the man with faith heals the boy, cast out the demon. And then one other thing happens in this verse. Because that's the deal. We, we see that they couldn't do it, so we convince ourselves that we can't do it. Or that healing is maybe something that a pastor can do. Or something that a prophet can do. Or that maybe I've just got too much red in my ledger. I've done too many bad things. I've sinned too much. I've sinned too often. I've sinned too deeply. I've done some things that hurt people. I've taken advantage, and we start making all of these excuses as to why we are unable to operate in the dominion that God gave us when we sent Jesus Christ to the cross and gave us his Holy Spirit. And we convince ourselves, we rattle off a list of why we are not qualified. But what happens afterwards is one of the most redemptive parts of the story. It's not even just the demon that gets 
you know, let out of this boy. It's not the freedom that comes to that home, the new journey that they get to start. His whole lease on life is just given back to him. For the first time since childhood, he is now able to actually do what God's called him to do in the life that God has made him to live. But it's not even entirely the most redemptive part, especially for you and me as Christians. That's amazing. And that shows us how we should pray and how we should believe and what we should do and what we shouldn't do. But what happens is, after the disciples have felt like they've failed, after the boy is back up off the ground, after they leave the disciples, you see, they pull Jesus aside and they ask Jesus, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? Why did that happen? You sent us out, we've stepped on snakes, and we've not been bit, and we've done all these things that you've shown us that we could do. We, we split sandwiches apart, we've done multitudes of things, we've seen amazing things happen for the glory of God. Why couldn't we do it, Jesus? You know what's cool about that? It's after they quote-unquote failed, or quote-unquote didn't work, or quote-unquote Jesus had no form. The amazing thing is, they went back to Jesus. They went back to Jesus. So many of us we don't see our healing come in that moment. We didn't see their healing come in that moment. We didn't see deliverance happen in that moment. And instead of coming back to Jesus with our questions, with our doubts, with our insecurities, we walked away from Jesus. Where's your team you can make it right back up here? But what Jesus says next is pretty incredible in this moment. Jesus says next is he looks at them and gives them a real simple word, a real simple word of power, of encouragement. Friends, you and I, we are called to release the power of God in the earth. We're here to look like God, talk like God, be like God, love like God, see like God, empower like God, cast out like God. That is who and what we are. Made the male and female out of our image. So what Jesus says next is actually an equipping moment because the cool thing is for these disciples, they didn't go on to this moment to not have any more hardships in life. Because they did. In fact, most of them were martyred. Okay? For the cause. But what we don't see after this moment is we don't see more moments of death. We don't see more moments of unanswered prayers. We don't see more moments of fighting and resisting the call of God in their life. No, after this moment, these disciples are radically convinced and fully persuaded of who God says that they are. And Jesus says to them, 
things like these only come about by prayer. Yeah. You know what that tells me? That tells me that whatever the disciples did <coughs> and didn't do, Jesus would constitute as prayer. So that makes me ask the question, what is prayer and what did they do? Did they, did they go to this boy and say, foaming in the mouth, see something in the name of Jesus? Convulsing, stop in the name of Jesus? Did they go and forget what Jesus has told them? They started speaking to what they could see with their own eyes? Instead of speaking in the Spirit, from the Spirit, to the evil spirit? Matt, that might sound crazy to these people. It might. It might sound like I'm trying to get us to go to some far off crazy land. I am. So is Jesus. I am because we got away from it somewhere. what he was doing and so we began to control what we can do and what we can do is get away from the uncomfortable what we can do is get away from the bold prayers what we can get away from is from healing and words of knowledge and prophecy we can get away from those things and we can have a watered down Jesus we can have a nice Jesus we can have complimentary prayers like Jesus we can control these things. We can have an orderly service that never exceeds an hour and 15 minutes because we're worried about what you have going on the rest of the day. We can get away from a move of God that would lead you to a room where you would wait and you would wait and you would wait for God to come upon you so that you could do more in this earth than what Jesus did. That's arrogant. It's what he said. what you said. I understand that it offends me too, but it challenges me and it causes me to pause and it causes me to grow because Jesus says things like these only come about by prayer. Well, what is prayer, Jesus? You know what's crazy? The only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them that wasn't volunteered was how to pray. Because Jesus only comes with that drop of bombs out of enemy kind of warfare prayer. When Jesus opens up his mouth, power of God comes flowing out. And the disciples knew, I want to know how, why, when, and can I, can I have that? Can I pray? Jesus, teach us how to pray. You want to know what Jesus also said to his disciples? He didn't say that he was going to build his church and his church was going to have the best music. As awesome as you guys are, okay? As awesome as Takeover Worship is, he actually didn't say, my house is going to be a house of worship. You know what Jesus also didn't say? He didn't say that my house was going to have the freshest Instagram, was going to have the best music on, on social media, that the pastor was going to be the most fashionable or 
that every message is going to be fire. That's going to speak directly to where you're at. He didn't say that either. Do you know what Jesus said about his house? He said, my house shall be a house of prayer. But somehow we got away from that. We became a house of suggestions and practicalities. When he said, you're going to be a house of prayer. Well, how do we pray, Jesus? I think you probably all know this verse. Even if you're not saved here today, you would know this verse. Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's that mean? Jesus prayed like this. Honor God for who he is. Praise God for who he is. Praise God above your situation and what it says to you. Praise him, honor him, love him, speak him, behold him for who and what he is. And then, you guys want to stand up with me. Then he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Maybe you didn't grow up with old Queen's English, but I'm pretty sure what they mean when they said that is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, it's God's will that convulsing stops? Absolutely. But convulsing can stop and the demon can remain. Is God's will that the marriage is restored? Yeah, the marriage can look great, but pornography can still assimilate into the marriage. Man! Gray isn't necessarily dark, but it's not completely light either. Darkness can attempt to assimilate into light, but really all it does is do what God's trying to do. Friends, today, today, it is my prayer, it is my heart, it is my charge that we leave here today with a warfare prayer that when we come against anything, sickness, demonic, lack, need, infirmary, whatever it is, whatever you come across, if it's fallen, we pray for its redemption. If it's broken, we believe for its healing. But when we come across something that is not in their body as it is in heaven, in their world as it is in heaven, in their finances as it is in heaven, in their marriage as it is in heaven, whatever we come across, whatever you, the Abago Day, come across, I pray that we speak to those dry bones and they put on skin and they rise up and we see heaven's best outwork in the situation. Amen? So right now we're going to go back into a brief moment of worship. If you were just bow your heads and close your eyes. Alex Mativa is going to begin to lead us right now.
day.